A special thank you to our sponsor this week, Mountain West Animal Hospital. One of their veterinarians there is one of this podcast's greatest fans. His name is Harold Davis. Over there, they are strong believers in giving compassionate service to their clients, no matter the breed. Ha! Did you catch that? They are also located in my hometown that I grew up in, Springville, Utah, and I appreciate their support on this podcast. Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 54, a conversation about PTSD. If you are listening on Friday, August 16th, it's my little girl's birthday. She's turning three. So let's hear some fun facts about Lydia. Lydia, what's your favorite color? Purple and pink. How old are you today? Two. How old are you going to be tomorrow on Friday? Three. <laughs> Very good. Happy birthday, Lydia. I love you. Do you love me? Mm. Oh, you do. Okay, good. Will you sing us a song? Mm-hmm. What song would you like to sing? Um, I'm your Baba. Okay, go ahead. Baba blocks on the way. It's it's I'm for the mama, I'm daddy, I'm for Sammy, and Lady Baba. Lexi, hello. Yes, sir, yes, sir, be back for. Oh, very good. We're going to go to our review from Pink Sister 2. Five stars. It says... Thank you, Julie, for being a leader in connecting people so that we are not alone. Everyone has something that they feel alone in. It is true that when we connect, we save lives, and it also makes life a lot more enjoyable. I love to listen to each podcast and think about the new topic of the day. You are doing wonderful things, girl. I believe in you. Four hearts. Thank you, Pink Sister 2. That's actually my oldest sister. I checked. (laughs) Pink Sister 2. And I think she put that because I have two sisters that have had diagnosis with cancer. So she proudly wears pink in honor of breast cancer awareness. I've been really blessed. I was just talking to someone about this last night, how I honestly haven't had hardly any negative feedback about the podcast. A little bit here and there with people that I have personal relationships with. But as far as like on the internet and trolls and people just trying to be mean on the internet, I haven't had any negativity. So now everybody don't start sending me mean mail or anything, but I just feel really blessed that way that I have had so much positivity coming. So, I mean, I did get a three-star review once, but that's okay. I can take that, right? We're going to go over to the interview. This interview is about PTSD. It's something that I've struggled with in my own life, and I've been wanting to have a conversation on this podcast about specifically what some of the symptoms are and the things that you can do to deal with them, what a diagnosis for it looks like. And so, (laughs) just a minute, can I finish? And so I'm excited to have Megan here, and she's going to talk about her own experiences with PTSD. I know you're the star, but you got to hang on. And so I'm excited to have a conversation about her with it. Thanks for letting me and Lydia take you in to this interview. Here we go. Megan Hillica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm excited to meet you. You first reached out to me. You do a podcast on grief. Is that correct? 
Yeah, grief and PTSD awareness. Very cool. So I wanted you to be on my podcast specifically to talk about PTSD. But first, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Megan. I've been married to my husband, Justin, for eight years. I am just about due with our sixth child. And I support grieving moms through the loss of their child or children through talking about grief and support and then also about PTSD and awareness about PTSD that can come from losing a child. I've talked a little bit about my own experiences with PTSD on this podcast, not from losing a child, from different things with my childhood and then and then my struggles as an adult. We have that in common. So I think we'll have an interesting conversation today because our experiences are pretty different, the situation was. So I'm, I'm excited and interested to see what similarities there will be. So tell me, how did you become familiar with PTSD? Yeah, so my daughter, Aria died in her sleep at 15 months old from SUDC. So it's similar to SIDS, but once they turn a year old, it turns into sudden unexplained death in childhood. There's no cause of death, no reason they could find of why she died. I found her in the morning, and I think that trauma, that shock of just finding your dead child is pretty, it's pretty traumatic. Child loss, anything, any type of trauma is traumatic. I didn't realize I got PTSD, but that's, you know, what happened is that trauma of finding her So that's the experience that triggered getting PTSD for me is finding her. And then also I was home by myself. There was a lot of things that could have impacted, you know, like not having my husband there. I was by myself and then I had a baby four weeks later. Oh my God. So then dealing with sleep was already an issue for me. My other kids sleeping and then having a newborn who I was so stressed about keeping alive and not dying in her sleep as well, kind of maybe exacerbated the symptoms of PTSD for me. Oh my gosh, I cannot imagine. Yeah. Like, it was, standing. That is nuts. I can't imagine. Yeah, it was crazy. You just kind of go through it and you just step by step, moment by moment. How would you explain to someone that's not familiar with it? Maybe all they've heard about with PTSD is war veterans, right? We hear about that a lot. How would you describe what is PTSD and and how did you know that that's what it was you were struggling with? I'll talk about my experience that I didn't realize I had PTSD, but this is what I was experiencing. My boys were sleeping downstairs and this was before my baby was born. And I would go check on them every morning because I had this anxiety that I have to go check on them because they probably died in their sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I go downstairs and the whole way I'm walking down there, my heart's pounding and I'm just envisioning finding another dead child and the whole physical body response of getting shaky and my heart's pounding and I'm terrified to go down there and I walk in the room and I look at them and there's so many times that they were gone in my head. They were absolutely gone. They were not breathing. It was real, 100% real to me. So I would start screaming and shake them and then they're terrified. Like it was, It's just a horrible cycle. Then when I realized that they're fine, I just like sink to the floor and just shaking and terrified. And like, it's that such a high adrenaline, so high stressed yeah, over and over and over. And then eventually I decided I can't go down there anymore. That cycle is so hard for me to go through. So I'd sit in my bed and I'd pretend that I was still sleeping. Even if I was awake, I would just lay there and meanwhile being super anxious while I'm sitting in my bed, but I would wait for my kids to come up to me so I wouldn't have to go check on them. So they would come upstairs and come in my bedroom. And then I'm sitting there feeling like a horrible mom because in my bed, I'm thinking that my kids are probably dead downstairs, but I can't go check on them. So 
then I feel like a bad mom because I can't go check on my kids. It's just this very horrible cycle. Mm-hmm. And then I was in therapy and I was telling my therapist about this and she told me that maybe I have PTSD that she thinks I had it. And so I looked up the symptoms and one of them is avoidance. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not like a bad person. This is something that's real, something that is out there and known and like we can talk about it and describe it. And I was like, that was me. That's when I found out I had PTSD and it was such a relief for me because you feel so crazy and so alone and like so out of control of what's going on with your mental health, what is happening to me. And when you have a name to it, it feels like, okay, so now how do I deal with this? And I have a name to it and what what are the next things I'm going to do? I was really lucky that my therapist just kind of led me to the next thing. She told me about a treatment called EMDR, sent me to another therapist who did it and I connected with him well. So it worked out good for me. So I did EMDR, but I want to talk about how he explained PTSD to me. So when I went in there, he told me, think of your brain and memory as like a computer, a computer files away files and folders. Mm -hmm. And just like our brain files away memories in our brain. When we have a traumatic event, we're not able to file that file away in the folder where you know, when you're in the computer, you can just go click it, recall, you know, grab it whenever you need. Kind of like a memory that's not such a horrible memory. You can just go grab it, kind of bring it up whenever you want. It doesn't, it's not intrusive. It's not always there. With trauma, you can't file that file away. That memory is always in the front, always happening, always present. It's always there. So you can't put it away to be recalled when you want to. It's just always happening. So that's one way he described it to me. Another way I think about it, or which I've learned more now, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. It's so good and it talks about the connections from your logical to your fight or flight side of your brains. They're just broken. They can't connect. They can't talk. They can't communicate and let you know that the trauma or the event that has happened is in the past. It just is always there. It's always happening. When somebody hasn't experienced it, it's so hard to explain. It's so real. It's so real. Whatever that trauma is, when that person re-experiences it, it's 100% happening again, even if it, you look at them and it's not happening. Yeah. But in their brain and to their body and to, their, to them, it's happening. Yeah. I Oh, I connect with all that so much in completely different situations, but there's a definition online and it says symptoms may include nightmares or unwanted memories of the trauma, avoidance of situations that bring back memories of the trauma, heightened reactions, anxiety, or depressed mood. And for me, spot on, I would have nightmares like crazy and I would wake up and I would be in them I would have to go and force myself to get in a shower so I could feel something. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but like there's something about a sensory heat or cold or something like that. And I would just sit there and tell myself that it actually wasn't real. I still felt like sick and awful the rest of the day. But yeah, when I'd first wake up, I was so sure and convinced that that was what was happening or going to happen. Like I couldn't, I couldn't disassociate the two of reality yeah. and dreams. Yeah. And my reactions were so physical. It was it was panic attacks, severe anxiety, depression. And, and my husband would be just be like safe alone in our house. It was wild. And I, I don't know about you. I don't feel like I'm completely free and healed from it. 
I have done EMDR. I did EMDR at a time when I wasn't on good medication and I wasn't really with a therapist that I loved and trusted very much. And so for me, it wasn't super successful, but I only did four sessions. And I've actually lately been thinking I should go back and do that. Even though I'm in a really great place, I, I really believe there's always more more healing to be had. And as those demons creep up, I keep thinking, I need to give this, I need to give this another try. So I love hearing about your experience. The EMDR has been amazing for me. And I I think that PTSD isn't going to completely ever go away. I think of it as something we all have our experiences in our life and I don't think we're ever going to just completely get rid of them. But there is like a thought out there that you have PTSD, you're stuck with it for life, you just have to live with the symptoms. And it is seriously not a way to live. It eats you up inside. I told people all the time, I have this ball of stress in my chest that is slowly killing me. Like every day, it's just eating away at my insides. I can't relax. I can't. Yeah, all those symptoms you mentioned are very real and were real to me. Jumpiness and anger, deep frustration at people, like when you can't communicate what you're trying to communicate or they're not doing something, whatever it was, just like snappiness so quick to anger. EMDR has changed my life. I still live with it every day to an extent in the way that I still think about it every day. I still check on my kids in their sleep every day. I still, you know, when I go in to check on them, I wonder, am I going to find a dead child? It's still there every single day, but I don't have those physical symptoms of heart pounding and the whole seeing them dead again in my head over and over. Right. And it doesn't mean it doesn't ever happen. There's times where I might wonder and kind of panic a little bit, but then it's it subsides pretty fast. So it's not a full-blown panic attack. It's not a full-blown whatever, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's so different and I feel calm in my chest. I don't know if that makes sense where before it was constant stress and now I can notice that I'm calm and I can pay attention to that. And I'm so thankful that I'm calm. So one question I want to ask you, because it's something I've had rolling around in my head for quite a while, which is, so I don't know about you, but for me, I was never officially diagnosed with it. It's just something Mm -hmm. that therapists have said, multiple have said, you know, this is what this really looks like to us. It's been tricky for me to say I have PTSD or I had PTSD. I tend to describe my symptoms, the depression, the anxiety, the panic attacks, you know what I mean? The nightmares, just because I've had people joke about it before, not understanding and really not meaning any harm. And I know they don't at all. And I I don't feel offense about it. But I know what it can feel like when you really have had something diagnosed, and it's a serious part of your life. And when someone else talks about it, and you're like, I don't think we're talking about the same thing here. I've always tried to be sensitive to that when I talk about PTSD, because I know that I haven't been to war. And that I know that there are very official diagnoses. And there are people that need to go stay in a home for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And I want to be sensitive to that. Do you feel confident in saying I have PTSD? and, And how did you get there? Yeah, I was officially diagnosed. My therapist did a, you do like this questionnaire test. I don't actually know what it's called. But quite honestly, there's so many people I've talked to, which I I get so sad for them and so frustrated that there's not more information and more knowledge and more awareness out there about PTSD because I think it's a lot more common than you know, obviously, I'm not a trained therapist either. I haven't done all those things to people. But when I talk to them, I'm like, yeah, we, I, we understand each other. We both understand what the trauma feels like and mm-hmm. what PTSD feels like. And even though you haven't been diagnosed officially doesn't mean you don't have it. 
the same techniques in treating PTSD, even if you haven't had an official diagnosis that can still be helpful. Like for me, my therapist had already given me a, a diagnosis because she had to. At the beginning, it was like major anxiety or depressive disorder. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But then as we went along, she's like, this is actually what this looks like. And so that's how we started treating it. And that's where I really started seeing benefits when we treated it as PTSD and yeah. not just blanket anxiety or depression. That's when I really started making progress is when we started working through the memories, the feeling, you know what I mean? The flash. Yeah. It just, I guess I'm just saying in my experience, it may be to someone listening, if you feel like you match a lot of these symptoms and these feelings, even if you haven't had a specific diagnosis, it doesn't really matter. You can still, you know, look online and find ways to, to treat that through therapy and things. Yeah, totally. And I, as I've been learning more and more, I think there's so many options that you can try because basically you have to rebuild the pathways, be able to turn on that spot of your brain that kind of turned off and shut down yeah. and rebuild the pathways. And if you find a therapist that can help you, otherwise there's different ways that I've learned, you know, it might be different for everybody. EMDR might not be for everybody. There's just so many options and ways as I've learned more and more and more and heard from more people of things they've done. It's possible to get help. There's hope you don't have to live with this mm -hmm. forever. You're not, you're not broken. You're not wrecked for the rest of your life. But it's just a, it's a horrible thing to live with. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. It's so, it's so good to know there's help out there. During this experience where you're grappling with all this, were there people who connected with you or showed you compassion that made it easier to deal with and to heal from? Everybody in my life, I was very open about it immediately. As soon as my therapist mentioned that I might have it, I told people I wasn't really ashamed of it. I think there was times where I could have felt, well, I don't really want to announce that I have this, but I also knew that it was very real and I was experiencing something so horrible. Like every day was just pretty awful. So I was very open about it and the people in my life were very kind and respectful and like, helpful. And when they would watch my daughter, they would pay attention to her and watch her really well. Like they knew that I was super stressed about her and that they couldn't leave her for very long without checking on her. There was just things that I needed them to watch her really closely more than you do normally. Yeah. <laughs> because for me, if I didn't check that she was breathing for more than five minutes, I was panicking that she had died. It was super stressed. Like she was almost attached to me all the time with my hand on her belly to make sure she was breathing. Wow. So I needed that from other people if they were to watch her when I went to my therapy appointments and stuff. But the other person I would say who has been the best is my husband, Justin. He doesn't understand it. He, he didn't get PTSD. So he doesn't fully understand it. And even right away, the anxiety that I would be asking him to go check on our kids in the middle of the night, all times of the night, I'm like, hey, you got to get up. Can you please go make sure they're fine? I couldn't go check on him and he could. So right away, he, it was really hard right away because he didn't get it. He would like grumble and he would wonder why, you know, they're fine. Come on. Like, why, why do I need to go check on them again? And then he had gone to see the same therapist as me and she explained to him that this was something that he had to do or like talked about it with him and tried to help him understand that hopefully this wasn't forever. By him just supporting me and that anxiety isn't going to go away until they're checked on. Ever since that, he has been amazing. He's been so great at any time I've needed him to go check. He just went without ever. He never grumbled anymore. He never said anything. He just did. And now he checks on our kids every morning and that helps me 
We never used to. We never worried about it. It was never a stress, the sleeping thing. It wasn't something we worried about. But now I know that he checks on our kids every morning so that when I get up in the morning, it's fine. Like I know they were just checked on. Wow. It's okay for me to get up and look at them without fear. That's really so special. It's really helpful to have, you know, a husband who is who is supportive. And when I feel a little bit like sheepish or dumb, he's very supportive and loving about it. So it's, yeah. it's good. Well, and I love that story because it's so real. I mean, I know for us in our marriage, there's been a lot of struggles with the PTSD aspect. Same thing. My husband just not understanding like, we're okay. Like we're fine. Just tell yeah. yourself it's a bad dream or whatever. Just not understanding. And how could he understand? I mean, it's crazy what you experience. Yeah. Life is an alternate reality. And so I just love your story because it also shows that people can change and learn and grow and be compassionate. And just even if they don't respond the perfect way at first, it doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make it a bad marriage. It just means maybe you all don't know enough, right? To come forward and, and move forward together and get more information. But I just think that's really special that he, that he did that for you. I think it would be so hard to marry someone that is never willing to change. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you can marry someone that is going to make mistakes and mess up, but is willing to change, even if they grumble and at first they don't want to or whatever. When you see someone that's willing to progress and change, I just feel like, shoot, you can do anything. You can, you know, that is a marriage that yeah. you can, when you have two partners that are willing to make changes over time. So if there's someone listening that's struggling with similar feelings, or maybe they really identify to these feelings. I know for me, even just having this conversation, I feel anxiety and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, and so I don't know if anyone else out there is feeling that just that I can relate and it's so good to talk about, but it's also like can strike a nerve of mm-hmm. yes, I felt these things before. What would be your message to them if they, if they think, Hey, I, maybe I do have some PTSD like symptoms. I just think back to, you know, what my life was like before I got help. And it is insane. When I think of so many people who are dealing with this and living with this, it just makes me want to cry because it's so horrible. It's so hard to live that way. I know there's hope and there's help. I can see the change in the possibility in my own life. And I know that's possible for you. I know that you can get help and that we don't need to live with that trauma on such a deep level. I think it's going to always be there. It's going to always be part of us because it's our experience and what has happened to us, but there's a way to heal your brain and be able to live where you can function, where you can have joy in your life and you can have functioning life. I just want you to know that, that you're not broken and you're not stuck in this and that there's ways to heal and get better. And I just, I'm so passionate about letting people know that they're not broken for the rest of their life and they don't need to live like this for the rest of their life. Thank you. Yeah. And I would echo that. I would echo that. I think that when you're in the hole, when you're in the middle of something that crazy, it was really hard for me to hear people say things like, well, you're always going to have this, but you'll make it through or whatever. Because my thought was like, no, I have to, I can't live like this. Yeah. Because I would say that I probably still have some PTSD, right? Like I would, mm-hmm. I would say that the way that I react in certain situations or, or with certain people in my life that trigger things isn't all clean and perfect in a tidy box. However, I would say that it's nothing like what we're talking about now when you're in the middle of it. It is nothing like that. You and I both can attest that we live really beautiful lives now and my life has a great amount of depth. My relationships have a greater depth. I'm very proud of my life now. I'm very proud of the progress I've made. And and I think you would say the same for you. Like you've become this woman who has fought through difficult things and now you're helping other people. If people want to listen to your podcast or do you have a website, how can they reach out to you? 
My podcast is called The Cultivated Family Podcast. So my thing is cultivating compassion and sharing stories and letting people know they're not alone with grief and PTSD or any types of struggles of motherhood. My website is meganhillica.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at The Cultivated Family. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it's amazing things you're doing. And yeah, I would definitely, especially someone that's dealing with grief, I think that could be a really fabulous resource for them. So I'll go ahead and link those things in the show notes. And just thank you for being here, Megan, and for seeing our listeners, especially those dealing with grief. Thank you. Once again, a big thank you to this week's sponsor, Mountain West Animal Hospital. Fun fact, over there at Mountain West Animal Hospital, Dr. Bot actually specializes in reindeer specifically. Isn't that cool? Reindeer. I never would have thought of that. So cool. And they really do provide such compassionate service in my experience. I even had a dog put down there when I was a teenager. So I teased Harold. He's from episode 10 and he is a veterinarian over there. I teased him that I was going to say he's really good at putting animals to sleep. And anyways, he didn't like that. But dang it, now I'm doing it. I I said I wouldn't and now I'm doing it. So hopefully he forgives me. If you know someone that might want to sponsor the podcast, please send them my way. And I promise to be nicer about them than I am about teasing Harold. With that, my name is Julie Lee and I see you. And happy birthday, Lydia. I'm being swagger like that. What kind of party do you want? A party one. No, no, I love you. Oh, will you sing us true colors? No. Will you sing us anything? No. I want to sing, I want to sing, who's in the best? Who's in the best girl? Who's in the best girl? Who's in the best girl? All through the town. Don't cry, dark things. Mm-hmm. I'll some help. How about Twinkle Twinkle? Oh, no. Twinkle Twinkle. I want to sing it. My name is Lydia Lee, and I see you.